Father God, thank you so much. God, I thank you, Lord, for these praise reports, God. Lord, that just remind us of why we pray, God. And Lord, that we can come to you and tell you, thank you. And God, we can tell you, thank you for the storms, God. It's in the storms where you teach us, God. I, Lord, I thank you for successes. I thank you for failures, God. Things don't have to be successful in man's eyes for you to teach us things through it, God. Lord, I thank you, Father, for all that you're doing for us, God, all that you have done, all that we know you're going to do, God. I thank you that we can say that there was those situations, but God. Father, I thank you for those two words, that, that it doesn't matter what it is, that we have a God that can solve it, a God that can fix it, a God that can make it go away, a God that can heal it, a God that can reach down and touch broken hearts. Father, I thank you, God, 
for being our God, for loving us in spite of it. Lord, I pray you'd take your word here. I pray you'd bless it. Teach us something tonight, God. I pray you'd help us to grow the way that you'd have us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Um, Paul's been dealing here with the church at Corinth, and he kind of turns, you know, we've been looking at the source of their problems or the source of their issues, and, and here he turns to a spiritual problem, and he kind of just goes straight to the facts. In verse number 1, he says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, and strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So the first thing we see that, that Paul is addressing here is their childish level of beliefs. And we're going to get to that a little bit more in just a few minutes. But he's looking at the childish level of their spirituality or, or the childish level of their faith. In Paul's letter to the church at Rome, I want to, it relates to this so much, I want to step over to Romans chapter 7 just for a minute. Because in his letter to the church at Rome, he wrote that letter from Corinth. He's here in the city of Corinth preaching when he sends this other letter. And I feel like a lot of the things he was dealing with Corinth is one of the reasons that he expressed those, those things over to the church at Rome. But in Romans chapter 7, verse number 1, he says, Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that, that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she's loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free from that law. So she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring, bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Paul, Paul here is describing three men. In this first one here, he's talking about a spiritual man. He's talking about the spiritual person that, that lives their life for the Lord, the kind of person that all of us as believers ought to be. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're living their life sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what you and I ought to be doing. We ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We ought to hear from the Holy Spirit. We ought to feel when the Holy Spirit is guiding us. But most of all, we ought to be led by the Holy Spirit. Every action that we do, we ought to believe that that's what the Holy Spirit of God is leading us to do. If we don't think the Holy Spirit is leading us to do it, then we have no business doing that. Amen? So, so we ought to be sensitive to what he's telling us, and we ought to have the boldness to go forth and to do whatever we believe that he says. But then Paul addresses the natural man, verse number 7. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner yeah, of concupiscence. Anybody know what that is? Y'all use that word every day, don't you? That's one of those y'all use, and I don't understand it, and so I just want well, to understand it. It said, For out the law of sin was dead, I, I had to take a little time out, because I, I wasn't real sure what that word was. So, so 
that, that word, um, y'all don't mind if I tell you what I learned, do you? That, that, that word means to covet or to lust. It means to lust after sexual desires or irregular sexual pleasures. It, it is a desire for unlawful pleasures. Normally, I have a little freedom in here because there's not no chillings in here on a Wednesday night, but I guess they in here tonight. They probably need to hear some of this anyway. God made men and women with a desire. God put that there. But that desire is reserved between a husband and a wife. Only. He put the desire in us, but he gave some, some parameters around it to, to be bound by holy matrimony. Period. No exceptions. No excuses. Not in God's book. Sexual desire is a, is a God-given desire, but, but with the instructions, um, it, it rules out premarital sex. It rules out sex outside of marriage. It rules out unnatural sex, which is things like homosexuality that is not of God. Sexual activities with anything that is not a husband or a wife is not of God. Anything that is not human is not of God. Viewing things such as pornography is not of God. All of those things are against the law of God and against the will of God. It is it, it is it, doing a God-given desire in a God-forbidden manner. Amen? That's what I learned about that word. But sin taken by case of commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. He goes on, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which good made death unto me? Which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. There's a whole lot in right, right, right there that I could teach. Maybe we go back to Romans, we'll teach through that. But for right now, I'm just looking through. God right here is using Paul to write this letter from Corinth over to Rome. And he's talking about people who are doing their personal best to live right, personal best to do right, personal best to, to, to live a, a, a Christian-looking life, but they're failing miserably because they're trying to live it in the flesh. They're, they're trying to live it on their own. The, the law is not a means of salvation. Nobody heard that. I said the law is not a means of salvation, but it is a means of condemnation. The, the, the law is not what gets you saved, the blood of Jesus is. But the law is what will be judged by. Think, think about Paul. Here Paul is living his life by faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. He's living his life pleasing, living his life as a Christian. He surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who Paul is. That's not who Paul was. Paul was somebody else. Paul was Saul of Tarsus. Amen. He, he knows what it's like. There's not a man on the planet who knows more about trying to fulfill the law, trying to keep the law, trying to earn your way into heaven, trying to, to make sure that every man keeps the law according to the law, but knowing nothing about grace. 
There's not a man alive that knows more about that or better understands what Paul is talking about here. He goes on in, in his letter to, to the church at Philippi. He said in chapter 2, verse 1, Is there therefore any consolation in Christ? If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we just took that one verse, it changed the way we lived. Who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things of heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul understands that no man can keep all of the law in the flesh. You must be led by the Holy Spirit. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must be guided and follow the Holy Spirit. It is Christ in us. And it is Christ alone that gives us salvation, not of works, lest any man should boast, right? I, I, I'll move on to, to Romans chapter 7, but, but I'll just, I'll, I'll put this little plug in and, and leave it for that. Hell's going to be full of what a lot of worldly people call good people because they're trying to earn their way there. They're trying to do the works. They're trying to keep the law in the flesh. There is no salvation except in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 14 in Romans chapter 7 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. This is he goes on saying kind of the same thing, but the things I don't want to do, that's the things I wind up doing. The, the things I want to do, I don't, I don't do those. He says in verse 16, And if I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now there is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do what I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the members of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body, from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh... The law of sin. Paul is talking about the carnal man. He's talking about the, the man who is saved and, and, and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but trying to live principles according to the fleshly man. You, you know, a, a man that is saved, a man that has truly given his life to Christ, 
and still trying to live his old life. A man that has truly been saved and asked Christ to save him and is still trying to do the old habits. A man that has given his life to Christ and truly trusted his heart and still trying to live in his old sinful nature will never be happy. Can never, will never be happy because there's two different people warring right there, the flesh against the spirit. He, he has this spiritual flesh that is trying to do things that he used to do that he called fun, but the Holy Spirit absolutely will not let him joy living in the world. Amen. But, then, but then the Holy Spirit is calling him over here to, to, to this new life. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and the Holy Spirit is trying to form this new life, but, but he can't get the joy over there because the, the flesh that he keeps holding on to this old life. People, people are living miserable lives because they're, they're, they won't accept the new. Listen, Christ gave us a new life. Amen. Praise God. When he said old things are passed away, that's everything. That's not just my sins. That's habits. That, that's, that's wants. That's desires. That's, that's everything. If you truly let the Holy Spirit guide us, then, then old things are gone. He said there in chapter 3, he, he, he's talking um, to the Corinthians. And he says, I can't even speak to you on a high level. I, I can't even speak to you on a spiritual level. I, I can't even talk to you like real Christians. I can't give you a piece of meat because you're still just spiritual babies. You, you, you're still just little infants. I, I can't teach you the way I need to but because you're living like spiritual babies. Now, let, let's, let's talk about a baby just for a minute. Now, y'all don't go throwing rocks up here at me. I just want to talk about a baby. But while we're talking about a baby, I, I want us to think about spiritual immaturity. Can, can we do that? Like, like right here, when, when I start out by saying that babies are self-centered, I know they're just little babies. Y'all ain't got to cast rocks up here. I get that. But self-centered means all about self, and they don't know anything different. Now, now, the reason I'm doing this is because Paul makes the relation of the Christians to living like babies. So back to the statement. Babies are self-centered. There's nothing else in their world. They, they are inward focused. Everything is about them. Everything that matters is, is about them. Their world has nothing to do with the good of others. Their world has nothing to do with the benefits of others. Their world has nothing to do with caring for others. Their world has nothing to do with what is the overall good for everything else around them. It's all about them. That, that, that's all they know. Babies are completely self-centered. But babies grow up. Paul is talking about spiritual people. And he's relating them to babies. Babies are dependent on others to take care of them. They don't, they don't do anything for themselves. Babies have short attention spans. Ba babies like to reach for things that glitter. Right? You ladies know that. They snatch your earrings out, grab the, anything shiny. Baby, babies like things that, that glitter. Kind of like spiritual babies are drawn away from the things of God by things that glitter. Babies have no sense of values. They, 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 they want what they want, and what they want dominates their world. They are driven by their own appetite. Nothing else matters. 
you don't believe it, just try not feeding one of them. When, when, when a baby isn't getting what he wants, when a baby's not getting it his way, that baby's going to cry. Somebody's going to pay attention to me. And they're going to keep on crying till they get their way. Y'all remember we're talking about spiritual babies, right? I always heard the squeaky wheel gets old, but they, they, they just cry. But babies can't see outside of their, their own little world. Ba- babies enjoy being the center of attention. And it doesn't take them long to learn how even their ladies do them little smiles and, and they capture all that attention. Babies are very demanding. Ba- babies can take up a great deal of someone else's time. Mm-mm. Somebody is constantly having to take care of a baby. Somebody is constantly having to set aside their own needs, set aside their own desires, use their own time to meet the needs of the baby, that they require a, a great deal of care. But fortunately, babies do grow up. Spiritual babies, well... For, for, for those babies that grow up, they, they become a complement to society. They become an active part of a forward motion. That they do things for the overall good of others around them. Paul says to the church at Corinth here, the problem is you ain't never grown up. I can't even give you a decent lesson because it's all about you. This is all about your self-centered, self-focus. This is all about inward focus, nothing about reaching out and helping others. This is all about somebody doing to take care of you. This is all about you. You're just a bunch of spiritual babies. I can't even give you a decent lesson. It's not from lack of teaching. It's not from lack of preaching or lack of instructions. They chose to remain childish. Paul's been here for a year and a half. Serving as an evangelist, serving as a pastor, serving as a teacher. You say, how do I know that? Acts chapter 18, beginning verse number 7, says he departed thence, entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. We know he's there at, at the synagogue at Corinth. The Lord spake to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. He said, preach. Tell them what I sent you to say. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee hurt to thee, or set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. He says, there's so much that that, that I wanted to teach you, but you stayed spiritual babies. See, they they could have gotten a, a letter like the letter to the church at Philippi. They could have gotten a letter like the one to the church at Colossus that he sent to the Colossians. They could have got something uh, uh, that has the depth of what he sent to the church at Ephesus or the church at Thessalonica. Paul would love to have given them some depth in the scriptures. Paul would have loved to have taken the Old Testament passages and brought them up and taught them what God did. Paul would love to have taken the depth of the scriptures and said, hey, this is the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would have loved to have taught them in depth, but he says, you're just a bunch of babies. I'm giving you about all you can handle. Verse, Verse number three says, 
He says, for ye are yet carnal. And then Paul mentions envying and strife and divisions. The word for carnal there is sarkikos. It, it means men of the flesh. It, 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 is, it is men driven under the control of their fleshly appetites, not driven by the Holy Spirit. The word he uses here for envying is zelos. It means jealousy. Paul says you're living under the desires of the flesh. Therefore, you're living under envy. And, and the word for envy means jealousy. W.E. Vine, this is a quote, W.E. Vine, said the distinction between envy and jealousy lies in this. Envy wants to deprive another of what he has, while jealousy desires to have the same things for themselves. Both of those are a contradiction to being thankful for what God has given you. I said both of those are a contradiction for being thankful for what God has given you. No matter what you're going through, it could be worse. And, and whatever somebody else has is being thankful for what God has given them. So, so we, we are to be thankful twofold. Be thankful for what we have. Be thankful for what God has done. Be thankful for the things that God has given us and the things that God has done. Us, but be thankful for what God has done in the lives of others. Be thankful for what God has given others. Be thankful for what God is doing for others. Amen? The word strife here is eris. It means contention. Contention is an expression of enmity. There's all kind of quarreling and squabbling going on here in this church at Corinth, a sign of spiritual immaturity. That's one reason Paul can talk about their immaturity, calls them babes. Is that All you think about is your wants, when all we should be thinking about it's what has Christ done for me, and what does Christ want me to do? That's all that matters. That's, that's all that matters. What Christ has done for me, and what Christ wants me to do. It's the most important things for us. Then he uses the, the, the word for divisions there. Is, is I'm, I'm going to just give you, they got the pronunciation out there, Deco. De Dicostasia, it's D-I-C-H-O-S-T-A-S-I-A, if that helps you know why I have trouble pronouncing it. But the pronunciation, I says Dicostasia. It, it, it is pulling in a personal direction for the benefit of yourself rather than pulling in a common direction for the benefit of the church. That's the word that he uses there for division. It's self-seeking. It goes right in line with what he's talking about, about the immaturity. And then verse number four, Paul gives us, Proof of the statement, he says, one saith, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos, or are you, ne are you not yet carnal? Or, or are you not carnal? Who, who, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He, he says, here's, here's proof of all your things, proof of all your jealousy, proof of all your envy. You're, you're arguing about who told you about Jesus. What difference does it make? It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter which one of us in this place told somebody about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It doesn't matter who plowed the ground. It doesn't matter who cut down the weeds to prepare the ground. It doesn't matter who laid off the rows. It doesn't matter who planted. It doesn't matter who did the watering. It doesn't matter who did the harvest. All of it was about Jesus. Every single one of us was a tool in it about Jesus. He says, it's all about Jesus. He says, here's the proof of all your stuff. Here's the proof of your immaturity. Here's the proof of your selfishness, of your self-centeredness. You want everything to be about you. But, but if you look at what you're talking about, the very men you say, you're of Paul, you're of Apollos. If you look at us, we're all on the same team. 
That's what we're supposed to be, all on the same team. If they look at us, it ought to just be some planting, some watering, some digging up ground, some laying off rows. That's what he says, the, the, the ones that you're looking at. He's, Paul, Paul says there's no division between Apollos or Peter or myself. There's no division amongst the apostles. You, you claim to follow men. There's no division among us. If you say you're following any one of us, then you're wrong. Because all we're doing is pointing you to Christ. That's the job of Faith Baptist Church. To be like-minded. One body. One mind. One together. Following what the Lord Jesus Christ would have this church to do. So that others might see Christ in us. And so that others might see Christ through us. Amen? And we're about out. I want to take a few minutes to pray. Um, I, 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 will, I will say this it, it's a prayer we, we need to pray together God help us to be one God help us to be one like minded one unit one body of Christ one direction that everything we do is about Christ not about anything else help us to follow everything you want us to do help us to grow up in Christ help us not to be spiritual immature help us not to be babies help us not to be self-centered help us not to focus on personal wants but God what do you want us to do how, how can we be a part of the family how how can you use us in this God we we just want you to help us be what you want us to be amen I don't know there's a song there's a song I heard matter of fact I'm gonna have Marshall sing it in a couple weeks but it says, it says, God, help us to love the unlovable. God, teach us how to reach the unreachable. God, show us how to do the impossible. I just want, I just want God to grow us in Christ. My, my, my prayer remains the same, God. Make us the church that Troop County can't live without. Use us in this community. Help us to be the church that plants the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in everything around us. Help us be the church. God, will you please absolutely break our hearts, grieve our hearts for the things that grieve the heart of God. God, God, will you, will you help us to find joy only in the things that are pleasing to you? Help us to find joy only in the things that matter to you. It, God, if, if it doesn't make you happy, if it doesn't make you smile, then don't let us find any joy in it at all. Don't let us find any peace in it at all. Help us, God, to be pleasing to you. Amen. We don't want to be spiritual babies. I'm glad we ain't doing this study on a Sunday morning. If this is all of us, it would be left. Now, there, 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 there's, there's a difference. I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest messages to preach is Sunday morning. It really is. Because you're in there on Sunday morning. You read your Bible, you hear all the time, you study, you desire to know more about God. You, you, you desire to have the knowledge of the things of God and the will of God. You're in here. And I, I need for the Holy Spirit to give every one of you something. But the one that got saved last week's in here too, and he don't know nothing about the Bible. I got to preach something so shallow that he gets it. So something's got to be so shallow that somebody got saved last week understands it. it's got to be so deep that you get something out of it. That's why you and I pray only God can do that. 
Only God can do that stuff. You, you, look, you, look at the, you look at the broadness of a Sunday morning crowd and you bring that in and you look at what God does on a Sunday morning to take a single message and, and reach from, from the shallows. And, and one of the reasons I, I remember six, eight months after I became pastor, somebody came up to me and say that long. They said, you know how all the time when you're preaching you say, you know, you, you make reference to a scripture and say, you know the story. And you go on, he said, I don't know the stories. So, so on Sunday morning, you can't just say, y'all know about David and Goliath and move on. You've got to spend a few minutes to talk about the story of David and Goliath to make sure they get it. But you still get to the point. Because you're not spiritual babies, nor do we want to be. Amen? But we're also not where we want to be. Anybody in here spiritually mature and gone as far as you can go and grown all you can grow? So we want to continue to grow. And the way we grow is to beg God to break our hearts with the things that breaks the heart of God. So that we be like-minded with Christ and Christ alone. Can I tell you, if everybody in this place, if we are all like-minded with Christ, we'll be like-minded with each other. We'll all be in one accord and God will use us in a positive direction. We can change this town, we can change this part of our country, we can change this world. Twelve men did it barefoot walking. Amen. Let's take a few minutes to pray. We've got just a, a few minutes before we, before you let out to take time for the Wednesday night as a part of the prayer meeting. Um, certainly, if you would remember, we'll, we'll pick up, Lord willing, we'll pick up here a week from Wednesday in, in the study. But uh, we pray for, for the prayer requests we talked about, those that are sick. Um, it is an incredible honor that God lets us walk into the throne room and intercede on behalf of somebody else. And God blesses us for walking into his throne room and praying for somebody else. When we, when we earnestly beg God to bless somebody else, God will answer your prayers. God will bless them. But he blesses you for coming in and praying. What an awesome opportunity God gives us.